0: So we are starting a brand new series today. We're kicking off a four-week series called Friending. And so this is something that we're going to talk about relationships this month and really how important relationships are. And sometimes we can think maybe coming to church, well, doesn't it seem kind of trivial? Is it kind of trite to talk about friendship and having friends and doing that in church? Is it really that big of a deal? And I honestly believe yes. Because I think that's something that God has called us to do life together. We were never meant to live life alone. In matter of fact, we can have some really great relationships and friendships. And so we're going to unpack that, see what that looks like over the next couple of weeks. Just really invite you to dive in and, and join us on this and see why this is so important, that we've got to get friendship right. Why does it matter if we get friendship right? Because so much is hinging on that. Matter of fact, when we get friendships right, it sets us up for success in every important area of our life. And see, the opposite is also true. When we get friendships wrong, it can cause more pain and destruction than we could ever possibly imagine. And so friending and having friends is something that I really believe that is something is important for us to understand, to know, to dive a little deeper. And hopefully if you journey with us this month, you'll find out that it's not such a, a trivial matter after all, but something that really God, his desire is for us to be able to be in relationship with people, to have some friends with people. And some of you, you you saw the topic and you're like, man, I don't know if I'll be here the rest of the month. Friends, I'm kind of the loner. And I feel you on that. I'm a little more introverted. I'm extroverted. I've never been one of those people who just has tons of friends. Those people kind of make me sick, right? You know what I'm saying? They've just always had, you just like, you just just come in and they're like instantly best friends with three people in the room. I'm like, what? What just happened? Like, I've been trying for years, right? And no one will talk to me. And so I feel your pain. If you are one of those natural friend people, you are awesome, please come teach me. But if you're not, this is where we're going to journey this together. And I really want to open up with this statement. Um, and if you have been a part of any of the ministry that I have done for the last 15 years, they could probably quote this. A lot of the students that grew up in the ministry that I was a part of for 10 years, they, they know this quote by heart. And it says this, Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future, pretty much saying that I could probably with some, some level of consistency or some level of accuracy predict what your future is going to look like based on the people that you run with, based on the people that you do life with. It's back, in fact, it's, it's been shown that this, this is true, that the people who are around us, and this isn't, this isn't anything new, right? Many of us know that. We get that. We understand that. But if we show us your friends, we'll have a good idea of where your future is going. Proverbs thirteen twenty says this, "'Walk with the wise,' and what? "'Become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm.'" translation, don't hang out with a bunch of idiots, right? Come on, the Bible's even telling us that when you walk with the wise, it's going to rub off, it's going to influence us, and that's the good news kind of the not-so-great news is on the opposite side of that. We can experience some people who may be not so great and not such a great influence on our lives. And when we run with fools, we can suffer some harm. And I know this to be true in my life because just quite honestly, any success that I have in any important area of my life, God has used the right people and the right friends to influence me in those decisions. Whether that be in my marriage or even trying to learn to be a parent and a dad or even being a pastor or planting a church, whatever it is, I have found that when I've been connected with the right people, when I've had the right influences around me, God has used those in an incredible way in my life. And the same is true on the other side. Many times in my past, when I would get into a lot of trouble, you know how they say, like, misery loves company? Well, it seems that trouble loves company even more. I don't know what it is, and just even when you get around a group of people, it just seems like it's so much easier for a bad idea to sound like a great thing, right? Maybe you've been there, and it's just even later, it's like, what were we thinking? Like, I have not. I cringe. Sometimes I cringe when I think about the stories of the experience of my teen life, or even in the college years, like, was there no one who had a brain in our entire group? I don't know what it is. We just get together and it's like, that is the worst idea that could possibly have happened. And that's exactly what happened. And so many times I had found myself that the times I got into trouble was probably because I was running wrong with the right wrong group of people. And so that's something we're going to dive into and we're going to talk about that. And before we get too deep in this today, There's actually a note card on your seat. It was attached there to the connect card and offering envelope and the pen. If you want to go ahead and get that that note card out, and if you don't want to use the note card, I would encourage you to write it down in your notes app in your phone. One way or the other, you can go analog or digital here. It doesn't matter. Whatever one works best for you. Um, you But what I want you to do is I want you to list your five closest friends. So I'm just going to give you a minute, and I'm going to talk up here like the Charlie Brown teacher, like the want, 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 so you don't have to pay attention to what I'm saying, and just take a minute and go ahead and write that down, just list your closest friends on there. And it doesn't have to be in any order. It can't be a family member, and it can't be an imaginary friend. So that's the rules. No family members, no imaginary friends. Um, you can list them there on there in no particular order. It doesn't have to be from, like, your bestie to the one who you are kind of like, well, I guess they're kind of my friend. Just put them in there no particular order. Um, if you can list five, go ahead. Um, if you can't, just do as many as you can. Outside of your family, no imaginary friends, please no imaginary friends. I'm young enough to remember on Sesame Street when no one believed Big Bird that Snuffleupagus was real. Does anyone remember that drama that happened on Sesame Street? Yeah, everyone thought that he was his imaginary friend, but Snuffleupagus was actually real. And we all know this now. It's common knowledge, but that time, scandal. I mean, it was like reality television. I mean, we just could not wait to tune into PBS the next Sunday to see, will Snuffleupagus be revealed? And he was. All right, did I give you enough time? Did I talk enough nonsense to give you enough time to talk? (laughs) People are going to listen to this recording and be like, what is he talking about? So why is this important that we understand who our closest friends are? Well, here is what the science has showed us, that you are the average of your five closest friends. This is something that they have done studies with, and this is true in every area of your life. Matter of fact, even in your finances, you are probably the average. You're probably somewhere in the middle as far as much, even as much money as you make, that you're somewhere in that you probably don't make the most in your circle of friends. You probably don't make the least. You're probably somewhere right in the middle. The same is true in our life and how much we like to party, right? How much of a party animal you are, right? How much of a wild thing you are. If If you were out there partying late last night, probably the circle of friends was also partying with you. If that's not something that you're too much into that scene, you're probably the average of that as well. And the same is true in our spiritual life and our relationship with God. That many times the people that we're doing life with, we are the average of those five people who we do life with, that we're somewhere in the middle of that pack as far as where we are focusing and putting our priority in our relationship with God. So like it or not, we become like those we run with. Now that can be a very positive thing or that could be a very negative thing. It could be a very positive thing because if you're trying to better your marriage, then you got to get around people who have a strong marriage, right? If you're trying not to be foolish with your finances, you should probably get around some people who have some wisdom in that realm. If you're trying to follow after God, then you probably should get around some people who are also trying to be more like Christ. You see how that works? And so we are the average of our five closest friends. Some of you are kind of doing the math and you're thinking about that, where am I? In that, but just don't worry, we're gonna dive in a little deeper on that. And I wanna take a second and just talk about friendship and talk about how we define friendship. Because honestly, I believe this is something that has changed over the years, especially in our American culture. This idea of friendship, the concept of friendship, it has really changed. And so I want to dive in and look at Proverbs 1717 17 in the FBV. It says this: "A friend is someone you may or may not know well who accepts your friend request on Facebook." This person is born to like and comment on your post to make you feel good about yourself. Proverbs 17, 17, the Facebook version, right? F-B-V. It seems ridiculous, right? But it really has. Social media has had a huge impact, and we're going to dive into it and talk about that. But really, this concept, this idea of friends has shifted to something that used to be face-to-face. It used to be a level of intimacy involved where we were connecting with people, we were talking together, that we were with people, and it's kind of shifted to something else, Right, And then we put something out there on Instagram, we put something out there on Twitter, we put something out there on Facebook, and then we just wait for the likes to come in, don't we? You just would be like, oh, five likes? This picture was much better than that. I should have had more than five likes on this by now, right? Come on, am I the only one? Someone just admit, come on, you got to have a little confession. It's church. You can't lie in church. And so we get so used to a friend being someone who we may not know very well, but we're just looking for affirmation in those relationships that we found online. Now, let's take a look for real at Proverbs 17, 17, so I don't get called out for some heresy up in here today. It says, a friend loves at all times. A brother is born for a time of adversity. See, this is what biblical friendship is all about. It's not about someone we might know casually or not so well. It's about someone who is going to be with us at all times. See, a friend doesn't love us just for our highlight reel and just when the moments are going well. But a friend is with us, even though it says here, brother is born for what? A time of diversity. That when we're going through an adversity, when we're going through a difficult time, when we're going through some kind of struggle, that's when a friend is really important, right? Because it seems like you can have a party and everyone will come and join you when things are going well. But when your life is kind of a train wreck, when things aren't going so well, when you're really struggling, that's when you really need a friend. It's not just in the highs. It's not not in the great moments, but a friend loves at all times. And a friend will love us even through difficult times, reminding us sometimes that, hey, sometimes we need our butt kicked. Sometimes we're reminded and love looks like, hey, you know that thing you're doing that's probably not so great. It's probably going to lead to some results that are not going to be so awesome. And we need a friend who's going to love us through the difficult times. They're going to be honest with us when we are doing something that might not be so great. And so something that I think is really important for us to talk about, and as we talk about having listing five closest friends, that might have been a struggle for some of us to do today. The American Sociological Review said the average American has only two close friends. The average American today only has two close friends, and that might not seem like a big deal to you, but something that is really amazing is that 25 years ago, in our culture, in our society, the average person had six close friends. So cut by a third now, 25 years later, that we are actually more connected than ever before in any point in history, but now we have less friends than ever before. Now, the thing that's even more staggering with this is that 25% of people, a quarter of people, can't list one single friend. And friends, I believe that is something that is tragic, that it's not how God designed us to do life. We were never meant to do life alone. And so we're going to talk about this and jump in. And so when you hear stats like that, the question comes up, why are friendships declining? What is the cause? And I think there's lots of reasons we could jump in here. There's probably quite a few reasons if we really dive in to start to do the research and understand that things are changing. I just want to highlight a couple of them today. And the first one is just increasing work hours. I mean, let's just be honest, from 25 years ago to now, the amount of work that people do has just went through the roof. Matter of fact, culturally, they even talk about us as Americans that we don't even know what it is to take a break, to take a vacation, to have normal work hours. We're always connected 24-7, even when we're not at work, we're at work because we've got the mobile device and the email never stops and the texts never stop and the phone calls never stop, right? And we can't disconnect and leave work. We don't punch the clock, right? We're not at the factory making widgets and we punch the clock and go home and don't think about it to the next next morning. We're always working. We're always on. Matter of fact, it's been so incredible and mind-blowing and probably pretty damaging seeing people have to work 60, 70, 80 hours, 100 hours a week. And I'm like, that can't be true, but these people just will live at work. And even if that's not you, we really feel the effect of increasing work hours and the toll that it takes on our friendship. The second one is rising divorce rates. Well, how does that have to do with friendship? Well, just like divorce really affects so many things in our lives, just like in a divorce when someone says, here's what custody is going to look, you get the kids then, I get them then. Just even the financial resources, you get this, I get that. The same thing happens in friendships. Friendships. People ultimately end up taking sides, and then someone say, you get these friends, I get these friends, and now it really can have a damaging effect on our friendship circles. And the last one we're going to really dive into today is the effect of social media. That we are more connected than ever before. And it is something that has just exploded in the last decade. That we are all connected. We, we all have friends. And many of you, some of you are like, well, I'm not on social media. But it's really still in this culture had a profound impact on us and our relationships. And we really have to acknowledge that social media has redefined the meaning of Friend. See, before Twitter, before Instagram, before Facebook, nobody picked up the phone and called their friend and just was like, hey, just want to let you know I'm having a croissant and a fruit cup for breakfast. Thank you. (laughs) Goodbye. But now we have the need to broadcast it to the entire world and post a picture of it so that everyone can see what it is that we're eating right? But you would have never have done that. No, no, maybe you did. I never did that. I never called a friend. Hey, I just want to let you know. No one does that. But it just completely redefined the way that we do friending. And see, here's what's really amazing is that we are so obsessed with controlling an online persona. That it's all about the highlight reel. It's all about our image. a matter of fact, even posting a picture of ourselves, right? We just gotta get the right light, make sure we look good, get the right pose, right? And if you're posting a group picture, can we just have a moment of honesty and transparency? You don't care how anyone else looks in the group picture. You are scrolling through the feed saying, Do I look best in this one? Do I you don't even see the faces. Your friends' eyes could be closed, they could be making devil faces. We don't even know what they're doing. You're just like, as long as the filter makes me look good, I don't care what any of friends look like right you know it's true it's changed the way we do life that it's just become about this highlight reel it just becomes about this this false image that we put out and trying to help people perceive us to be a certain way but it seems like in our culture today that we have more followers we have more likes we have more facebook friends and we feel more alone than ever before see social media has created this illusion of intimacy intimacy and it's something that they've proven that it just becomes more and more addictive. And we, we have this idea that we're actually in, an, in a friendship, and a relationship with someone. But it's really counterfeit to what God has intended. And now I'm a fan of social media. And I think technology is wonderful. We even want to utilize that. And we do that as a church, right? We're streaming on Facebook right now. Come on, somebody. I have social media. I'm not against it. I think it's a great thing. It's a great way to connect with people. Like that friend you had in third grade. And they pop up at your time feed. And you're like, wait, how do I know them again? Or is that just me? but social media can be a great thing but in my own personal life the more I use it the more I find that I crave personal face-to-face relationships and see for us varying age depending on where you are on that spectrum for you it might not be a big deal for some of you young adults it might be a bigger deal and even as we get younger this is the world that we've grown up in it's just become so prevalent so in the series, I want to really unpack over the next couple of weeks the friend that we need to have and the friend that we need to be. See, there's two sides of the coin with that. And as we talk about friending and we talk about friendship, and I've said this before, many times we can get very discouraged, and I've experienced this in my own life, is that sometimes we, we wish that we had more friends and we feel down, and sometimes I've been pretty blue. And I'm like, why, man, I just need some people in my life. And I found the greatest way to get some friends in our life is to simply be the friend to someone else that you yourself want. And so this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to unpack that in the next couple of weeks. And I want to talk today and start by rediscovering the lost art of friendship. Friendship. And the first one is simply this. We're going to just talk about two things real quick. Rediscovering the lost art of friendship. The first one, it seems kind of obvious, but we have got to be present. We've got to be present. We've got to be physically present with people. We've got to be in the room. And so I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. And I want you to repeat it like you mean it. Are you ready? I will develop my friendships face-to-face not thumbs to thumbs. You got it, right? Some of you are like thumb thumb, scroll scroll, or some of you got the like mad like pointer finger typing on the screen. Like I don't even know how you do it. It's impressive. Saw a kid once like like this. I'm like, oh. I was like that's right? It's amazing. But it's so important that we develop friendships face to face and not thumb to thumb and not just going through a screen, but it's so important that we're present with each other. Jesus himself demonstrated this. Jesus didn't go find his followers, find his disciples, hand him a book and say, here, read this. That is not what he told them to do. He said, what? Come, follow me. Let's do life together. Let's go do ministry together. Let's, let's eat together. Let's, let's almost die on a boat together, right? It's, it's just, that's what Jesus did with him. He said, let's go do life together. Follow me. Be present And see, what's something that's so amazing in this, in the studies, what they're finding out is that kids, even though they may have more screen time than you, ultimately, kids have more dissatisfaction about their parents and the amount of screen time they have than even parents have about kids. That kids sense that something's not right, that you can't get our attention as parents. And I've even felt that tension experience that in my own life. And that our kids are just young for just a fleeting moment, and we can just be so lost. It's like, hold on a second. Mommy's got to post this on Pinterest real quick, right? This is, this is life-changing stuff. This recipe is going to change the world. Just hold on, right? Or I got to check the sports game. Just a spore, right? I'm in the NFL app. I got to read. It's like this soap opera, finding out what happens to Antonio Brown this week, right? And just got to scroll, 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 click. And if we're not careful, if we're not present, we'll really miss out on the people who matter most in our life. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And 25 says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I love that the author of Hebrews wrote this to the people all the way back in biblical times. And they didn't have the insane work schedule. They didn't have all the things culturally going on. And they still needed the reminder, hey, don't neglect being together. And if you were actually dive in and look at the definition of that meeting together, it means a physically getting together and being present together. And maybe you've heard this in the context, it's important that we've got to come together and do church and worship and do Sunday. And yes, that's important, but we've also got to do life and get some friends, get some people around us that we are doing life with. Why? Because there is power and presence. I've experienced this in my life in a few different ways. Many of you know that the church that we're here, part of Treeline Church, has been a little over a year in September. It was a year since we launched, but before that, it was just so intense, so crazy, so much uncertainty, moving across the country, t- taking no jobs. We're like, we don't even know what this is going to look like. Is this going to work? Where are we going to get the people? How will we fund this? Where are we going to meet? So much uncertainty, but the amazing thing is, is I was able to connect with some people, some other pastors, some other church planners from different parts of the country who were very encouraging, getting to talk to them, them sharing their story and it was very helpful to be like, oh, this is not the first person to have done this. But then something really amazing happened when we launched the church there's a good friend of mine named Jason Rates, and he's been here and he spoke before. They came and brought like their whole church with them and did worship for us and, and taught. But something really amazing happened. Jason was one of those church planter friends in my life who they were a little further down the road than us. They planted several years up in the middle of Michigan, and he was just a good friend of mine. I've known him for years, since my youth ministry days. And it was, we were getting ready to launch the church. There's so much stress, so much anxiety, so much no sleeping. It was just like, this is crazy. How are we going to do this? As so we get to launch Sunday, and people are finding. Finally starting to show up, which is like there, you take a breath, people showed up. That's good, right? That's that's the win. And I remember standing out here at the ramp and looking down as a few last people were trickling in, and I see Jason walking up the ramp. I did like one of those like triple takes. Like I'm like, that can't be him. Why? Because the dude had to leave his church, which is already hard as a pastor on a Sunday. He had to ride in an airplane, pay for an airline ticket, get a rental car, get a hotel, not tell anyone he was coming, come and support us on our launching day. I can't tell you what it meant to me. I remember him sharing with me after and telling me, he said, presence honors people. And he was saying that he really, and was even texting him about it this week, and he was saying he was so bummed that there were people who weren't able to come and be supportive when they launched their church, and so he wanted to do that and be that kind of friend for someone else. And I can't tell you what that meant to me, to have him honor us and brought us a, a gift and blessed our family. We were able to go out and talk after and just have dinner and just celebrate what God was done and talk about all those things that were going on, and his presence just meant so much at that moment to me. I've experienced that in my other times in my life. I don't know if you've ever gone through some difficult parts of life. Like you just hit some lows and you know what I'm talking about? Like I've hit some lows where I'm like so low, like I don't even want people in my life. I'm not letting people know that I'm low. Matter of fact, I don't want you to know because I don't want you in my business. I just want to wallow, right? I just want to wallow for a little bit. Leave me in my pity, leave me in my anger, just leave me alone. And several years ago, many years ago, actually now, I went through something like that and I was really down and I didn't know what to do and I was just so frustrated And there were some friends who kind of noticed that things weren't going really great in my life, that I wasn't showing up, that I was being really invasive, and their radar kind of went off. And they didn't just send a text message. But I was walking out to get in my garage to go to my car, and I see their headlights. It was night pulling into the driveway, and I was like, oh man, it just got real. And they pull in, they tell me, they're like, what is going on? Get in this car. Something is not right, and their presence meant so much that they weren't just going to send a text, they weren't just going to call, they were showing up in my life, and their presence meant the world to me. And at that time, I wanted to run, you know, it was too late, they saw me out in the garage, I couldn't pull the blinds, and pretend like I'm not home, right? But their presence meant so much to me. I've seen this in ministry time and time again. Doing student ministry for 15 years, one of the greatest tragedies that you can know as a youth pastor is having a teenager pass away. And I've experienced that several times through youth ministry. It's incredibly powerful. It's extremely excruciating. And you feel so powerless in that moment. Like, what could I possibly say to these parents? What could I possibly say to this family that would comfort them in any way? Especially when you're feeling so grief and anguish yourself. I remember several years after we were at the church and we were for 10 years and this happened several times and I noticed something began to happen. That when, when teens would pass away, there were some students in our youth group who really took hold of this. And they're like, you know what? We don't know what to say, but here's what we're going to do. We're just going to show up at the funeral home beforehand. We're going to meet with the family. And we're just going to ask if we can pray with them. Brian, would you please come and do that with us? And I'm like in tears. Like, I, that's not even my idea because I feel helpless. How can I possibly go offer prayer for this family? And I can't tell you how powerful those moments were of these teenagers coming together behind the back room in these funeral homes and and coming together and just standing around these families and the tears coming down these parents' eyes. And just knowing that it wasn't anything that we could say. It was just their presence in that moment, just being there with them. When everyone else was recoiling, saying, I don't want to hurt you, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do. But there were these teenagers, the peers of their friends, who would come together and say, we don't have all the answers. We just know that God loves us and he loves you. Would you just let us pray for you in this moment? And it was so impactful. It was so amazing. Why? Because presence absolutely has power. And see, we can't just be physically present. We've also got to be emotionally present. See, at the end of our lives, it's not going to matter how many people liked our selfie or liked our picture on social media. We've got to be willing to be vulnerable, get, uh, uh, be emotionally present in people's lives, We've got to be willing to put the phones down and simply be present in the moment. It's something that should become a cultural norm. And I'm just preaching to myself up here this morning because I catch myself doing it all the time. We're supposed to be connecting with people. And sometimes it seems like maybe I do have the right friends and maybe we're able to list some people on there. But it seems like even when we're together, we're not really together. It's so amazing to see when you go to a restaurant and a family, there sitting there eating. What's everyone doing? Every person's on their device. Right? Everyone's just got their face in a screen. We're together, we're physically present, but we're not emotionally present. We're not investing our lives into others. And so maybe this would be a challenge for us today, maybe for a challenge for us as a church to maybe disconnect a little bit every once in a while. Maybe set a standard in our own home, maybe in our own relationships, that we're, we're going to do better about not always having our face glued to a screen, but that we're going to be present, that we're going to be emotionally present, and that we're going to be present in people's lives. So the first one was to get present. The second one is that we've got to get open. We've got to get open, be present, and then we've got to get open. Now this might blow your mind. This kind of kind of surprised me somewhat. Um, that the newest, in fact, one of the newest and fastest growing phobias today. Are you ready? For this is talking on the phone. This is legitimate. There is a growing fear of talking on the phone. And there's this fear of it because the really the reason it comes down to is that people can't control how a phone call will go. You know it's true. That phone rings, you're like, Oh, what are they calling me for? Let that go to voicemail, right? Now we got visual voicemail. We didn't even need to answer the phone. We can just like see it pop up on text later. Why? Because we can't control how the conversation is going to go. But when someone texts you, you have to decide, I can reply now. I can ignore that text message unless you have read receipts and you're just like the craziest kind of people. And they don't even want them to know that they read. Like, whose idea was that on the phone? Read receipt? I don't want them to know that they read my message. That I you guys, just know, right? Because we want to be able to control the dialogue and the conversation. And in a phone call, you can't do that. You don't know how it's going to go. But when you got that text, you could type it out. If you're like me, you delete it seven times. And you're like, that's probably not the best response, right? So there's some good things that come with text and emails, right? You can hit that delete button. But there's really, truly a growing, and really the thing that's most amazing about that phobia is they're saying now in studies that people don't know how to end a phone call. They just, we don't even know how to end it. Just sit there breathing, right? <laughs> you just like, hang up. Like, what do we do? Bye. Right, guys? It's just crazy, but it's true. It's true. There's true. showing gets inside these people genuinely don't know how to end a call. Now, some of you, I just gave you all kinds of anxiety this week as you're trying to figure out how to end the call now. I don't want to be awkward, right? Just bye and just hang up real quick, right? Have you ever had one of those people, like, in your life, they don't say bye and they just hang up, and you're waiting for them to say bye, and they've already hung up? It's the worst. But we've got to get open. We've got to be able to share what's going on in our lives. We can't just be physically present and just emotionally present. We've got to share. You've got to let someone know what's going on in your world. You've got to have some people that you can trust and be like, man, I know you might not have the answers. I just need someone to download to right now. I need someone just to believe in me and have my back right now. I need someone who's just going to hold me accountable because I'm trying to do better, but I'm, I seem to be failing, so I just need to be open with someone and share with that. that. We've got to be able to share some of our weaknesses and know that there's some people in our lives that aren't going to judge us for that, but know that their lives are a mess too, and so we can just all come and be a mess together. Come on, someone that we need some people that we can be open with, that we can share our weakness. And if you don't know how to do that one-on-one, I would encourage you to at least have the bravery to try doing it in a group That the groups that we have are an opportunity to share and be open. Matter of fact, years ago in the student ministry that I led for our small groups, one of the rules that we said it was like Vegas. What happens in small group stays in small group, right? And it's still such a great rule today that you can have a group of people that you can be open with, that you can share your weakness, that you can come alongside and say, I don't have to put the mask on. I don't have to pretend everyone put the capes away. We're not superheroes today. We can just be real, we can be honest, we can be open with each other, we can share our struggles. Matter of fact, this is biblical. James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, why? So that you may be healed. Do you catch that? That when we share and we confess with each other that we can actually experience healing. And so many times in our lives, that healing that we lacked emotionally, that healing that we lack with the things that were going on in our struggles is because we simply sometimes just need to take the step of being brave enough to find some people who we trust and we can just share so we can experience that healing. Friends, it's so important that we do this with each other, that we confess our sins, that we share what we're going with. I know that can be so intimidating. I am not one of those touchy-feely persons who like sits down in the group and be like, just can't wait to bleed all over you, right? That's not me. That's not me at all. I've never been one of those, I've never been wired that way. Matter of fact, I'm almost like a steel trap, right? I don't want anyone to know anything. I don't want you to know, I'm fine, right? Just give them the answer. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm good, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm good, right? In a small group, everyone's going deep. I'm fine, I'm good. How about you, Brian? Good, right? No report today. Good. Nothing happening in my life. Don't need prayer. I'm sweet. I'm awesome, right? And just taking time to confess and learn how to do that. And here's something that I want you to get today. And I think this is really important is that we impress people with our strengths, but we connect to people through our weaknesses. And I'm gonna say that again because I think it's really important. See, we impress people with our strengths, but we connect to people through our weaknesses. It is through our weaknesses that we truly connect with people. And this is something that is my prayer for us as a church And it's something that I have had to learn over the years, even in ministering, being a pastor, is I have no desire to come up here and don some cape and be super pastor and be like, I've got it all together. Matter of fact, I've gone the other way a few times where I'm like, man, I've been too honest. No one's coming back next week, right? Right. Yeah, really work to be transparent and to be honest and share that this is a struggle that we're going through and that that when I'm up here I'm speaking to myself as much as I'm speaking. People have been like, Brian, that was so great. Really needed. I'm like, I'm just preaching to myself up here. I mean, just honestly I need this. I need to hear. I need this challenge to live this way. In matter of fact, i um, Over the last couple of months, there's been a few people that attend here at Treeline who have sent the kindest emails and text messages sharing specifically that it's meant so much to them, that they've they've grown up in church and it seems so much about the perception. It seems so much about being strong and putting out that image, but they've just appreciated a place where they can feel comfortable and confident knowing that it's okay to be weak. It's okay to admit and say out loud that we're struggling with things. I'm thankful for a leader and for leaders collectively here at Treeline who are willing to say, you know what? Yeah, we've got some strengths, but in there are some weaknesses and we can really learn to connect to each other. I've experienced it in my own life over and over again. And a struggle to be a husband and a struggle to be a dad. There's no manual on that. Man, I wish there was. I wish I knew how to just read a book and be a better dad, but it just sometimes getting around some other people who've just been having the moment of transparency and honesty with me being like, I struggle with that too. I struggle being a good husband, I struggle being a good dad, I struggle being a pastor, whatever it is in your life, I struggle being a friend, I'm I'm, I'm having difficulty with this, and you connect to people through those weaknesses, and some of the people who I admire the most in my life have probably shared some of the most incredibly painful things with me. I had a friend of mine recently in the last month share some things that were just so tragic, so difficult, and having having a breakdown and just losing it and feeling like they just needed to end their life. And I I just was so thankful, and I had just tears coming down my face. And I said, you have no idea what it means to me to have you share that with me. And I don't think any less of you. Matter of fact, I think more of you because you were strong enough and brave enough to be honest and transparent and share that with me. Thank you. And I have so much respect for them. See, friends, we have an opportunity to do that for each other. What greater place than the church, what greater place than the local church than to develop friendships and relationships with others? See, it's something that we're doing here that we are starting our small group season and not a coincidence that we're doing a friendship series when small groups launch. It wasn't an accident. It was kind of on purpose. You can be mad at me later. That's fine. But we just really believe it's important that every single one of us, because honestly, there, there are valid reasons and cycles of life happen and we're, we're not available. But here's what I know to be true. Social media has showed us one thing. It shows us once and for all that we did have time for the things that really did important that we make time for in our life. And there are a million reasons why we have, and some of them valid. Some of them are excuses. Some of them are valid or why we can't be into a small group. But there's one great reason why we should be because life was never meant to be lived alone. And so I wanna challenge you. Get into a small group. Give it a try. Maybe you can't make it every week. That's okay. Maybe you try one small group. It's not a fit. Try another one. Maybe you're like, man, none of these options work. Well, let's get our heads together and let's start another group that works in your schedule. Maybe you're like, I'm just not sure if small groups are ready. Well, let's get together with a few other people. Hit me up. Email me. Let me know. Let's get together. Let's find some other people to do life with because I believe that God has created us to do life together. It was never meant to be lived alone. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, I know sometimes when we Dive into these subjects and something we feel like maybe that's not really going on in our life. We can feel this guilt or we can feel this anxiousness, Lord. And I just pray today that there would be no anxiousness, there would be no guilt. Lord, that we would just experience your peace and the grace that you have for us. God, I know it's not simply easy, and the older that we get, it seems like the harder it is to make friends once we get married and we have kids and life just begins to happen. God, I just pray that no matter what stage of life that we are in, Lord, that we would make a commitment, Lord, to building friendships, to getting around other people who are trying to follow after you. And God, maybe maybe even today to have our eyes open, Lord, to, to come to the knowledge that what we are doing isn't working and that you want more for us. Lord, that some of us today who are, are struggling, maybe some are struggling in their marriage or in their finances or in their relationships or maybe an addictive pattern in their life, whatever it is, and they need to get around some people who are gonna be a good influence, who are going to push them to being better, to be more like Christ, not in a judgmental way, but in a loving, grace-filled way, because God, we are all, we, we all need that for each other. God, I pray today that you would begin to do a work in lives and hearts, God, that we would do the hard things, that we would make the time, that we would make it a priority. God, that we would stop hiding behind the excuses, that we would stop hiding behind the things that, God, sometimes it's legitimate, but Lord, that we would try to do our best. Even if it's one-on-one, even if it's once a month connecting with someone, just starting somewhere, taking the baby step. God, I thank you. Today, while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I just want to encourage you in this moment that maybe the step for you today is to make a step to getting the best friend that you will have ever experienced, and his name is Jesus. See that God sent his son Jesus, and that Jesus truly is a friend to us. Matter of fact, that he is the best friend we'll ever experience and ever encounter because there's never any judgment, there's always acceptance, there's always grace. And that this friend loved you so much that he gave his life for you so that you could experience the freedom and the joy that comes in this life that only can be found in a relationship with Jesus. So if that's you today and you're saying, I need to say that prayer, I need to invite Christ into my life, it simply is about surrendering to him. It's not about doing all the right things, about looking a certain way, going to church enough, having enough scripture memorized. It's not about any of that. It's simply saying, I know that you are real and I surrender my life to you. I can't do this on my own anymore. Maybe you're here today and at one point you said that prayer, but life just began to happen and I don't know what the reason is. And honestly, friends, it doesn't matter. God has never been angry at you. He's never been upset. He's always been waiting with arms wide open to say, welcome home, my child. That God has a heart for prodigals. He longs for you to come back home, to be in relationship with him. He wants to be your friend. So if that's you today in either one of those categories, maybe for the first time, or you're like, I just need to recommit my life to him. While everyone's heads bowed, everyone's eyes closed, I'm going to count to three. And at the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up and say, Brian, include me in that prayer. We're not going to call you out. We're not going to single you out. We just want to pray with you together. One, two, three. That's you. See that hand. Awesome. See that hand. Anyone else? Okay, put your hands down. We're going to pray out loud together, and I'm going to ask you to repeat after me so that no one has to pray alone. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for loving me. Come into my heart. Make me new. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we celebrate for those who made a decision for Christ today? Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees change by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.